the job responsibility. As we go through the job responsibility, uh, you may notice some of the things which was not mentioned during the job interview. You will think, where is that coming from? Yeah, so you may get some embarrassment, some surprises, but that's okay. You know, some employers, they may add a small elastic mark at the end of the page and say all other duties included. Hope you have come across those situations. That's not new here. So we know job descriptions are an important title document, isn't it? Not only in corporates, in any place, in any organization will have its own code of conduct, its own protocol, its own way they work. There is a job description. Without job description, it will be confusion. No one knows precisely what to do, how to do, who do what. There won't be any clarity, there won't be any coordination. Rather, it will be confusion. It will be chaos in the company. Organization will not be able to function in a proficient way. But with a job description, you will know what to do, how to do, and who do what, and even whom to report in the event you want to do that. Workers will be much more focused, organized, and productive. I'm sure you will all agree to that. So job description is a vital part of a corporate environment for the mutual benefit. So let me take your attention to the smallest unit of the family, the smallest unit of the society, the family. Even though there is no written job description, there is a mutual understanding between the members of the family to do how do they function inside the family. Isn't it? How do we work to help each other for the betterment and the unity of the family? Each individual of the family come alongside with others, helping, encouraging in the best possible way. So we all have a sort of mutual understanding in the job description in the family. Similarly, we have a written job descriptions in the corporate sector where we work, that is in our workplace. If so, if so, today we have gathered as a church, as a corporate body. This is the family of God. He is the head and we are his body united with him. May I ask you, do you know your job responsibility? Do you know your job responsibility? Do you have any responsibilities to fulfill? At least, do we have some understanding what we are supposed to do in the family gathering, the church gathering? Don't tell me that God did not have an interview with you all. I think in fact, He had. That's why you all are here. Through this passage, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 16, Paul is reminding us the job description of the church as we gather together. How to conduct ourselves in the house of the Lord. He is reminding us what is our responsibility as a member of a church. As his family and as a community. Like we heard as a covenant community. 
don't think that god's plan with his with us is finished when he saved us he has saved us for a reason for a purpose and he is and paul is describing us what is that purpose let us read the passage ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 to 6 you can follow me on the bulletin or even on the screen ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 to 16 therefore i in the prisoner in the lord urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness with the patience bearing one another in love making every effort to keep the unity of the spiritual through the spirit through the bond of peace there is one body one spirit just as you were called to one hope at your calling one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is above all and through in through all and in all now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift for it says when he ascended on high he took the captives captive he gave gifts to people but what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower part of the earth the one who descended is also the one who ascended for above all the heavens to fill all things and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in faith and in knowledge of God's son growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit but speaking the truth in love let us grow in every way into him who is the head Christ from him the whole body fitted and knit together by by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by proper working of each individual part through this passage paul is asking us to examine our responsibility our responsibility to the christian community he is asking us to examine as a christian are we living worthy in order to in order to persevere the unity of the church and are we serving the church in order to mature its fullness let me repeat that as christian are we walking worthy in order to persevere the unity of the church and are we serving the church to mature its fullness before we going to the main point of the sermon let me give you a quick update on the context and the background of the book paul wrote ephesians during his first imprisonment and the purpose of this letter is to advance christian insight and maturity paul particularly in this passage asking ephesians to consider the practical outworking of god's plan in the church the practical outworking of god's plan for the church if you are taking notes today there will be three points in my sermon today primarily we'll have two points 
two main responsibilities to the church and the third point will be our response to what we heard it's like a reflection question of what we heard my first point is preserve the unity of the church second point is serve the church to mature its fullness third how is our walk how is your walk first point preserve the unity of the church our responsibility as believers is to preserve the unity of the church that's what we read from verse 1 to 6 verse 1 to 6 we can see that let me repeat that therefore i the prisoner in the lord urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness with the patience bearing one another in love making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace there is one body one spirit just as you were called to one hope as you were called one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is above all and through all and in all so here we can see the paul is is giving us christian a command and an imperative what is that to walk worthy to walk worthy what do you mean by walk worthy why we should walk worthy why what is he saying for preserving the unity of the church and he says it is reasonable it is logical he says it is rose it is logical for us to walk worthy to preserve the unity of the church look at verse 1 he says therefore it is logical to walk worthy you may ask wherefore why is it logical why is it logical paul says the unity of the church is logical of of because of what christ has done and paul has mentioned that from chapter 1 to chapter 3 he says christ through his death on the cross and resurrection has brought us into a new humanity into a new people group in galatians 3:28 we read like this there is neither jew nor gentile neither slave nor free there is no male nor female for you all for you are all one in Christ Jesus since no one is can be higher and no one can be lower we are equal in the eyes of lord they are all brought together by the work of the spirit and now they are a new nation a new building a covenant community a new family that's what we are so christ has established the unity by and through his work now he is asking and asking us to preserve that unity remember remember that we are not making the unity or or working for the unity rather we are preserving the unity what christ has established we are the salt the preservative unity is a result of spirit's work unity is the product unity is a product christ is the one who gave it to us by and through his work he is building his church for his glory so paul is urging us to walk worthy of that calling 
what we have received freely from Christ. What is that calling we have received freely? Now you know that. The unity, the oneness, what you have received in Christ. The unity that we have in Christ is a part of his grand design. Paul is reminding us in verse 3 to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. To be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. Look at verse from 4 to 6. Paul is exhibiting the oneness. It is so important Paul has given great emphasis on the aspect of oneness. That's why he says one body, one spirit, one lord, one faith, one baptism. one god and father what we have to observe from what paul is highlighting is that our oneness is basically from the work of christ it's not mechanical rather it is organic and it is living christian unity the unity of the spirit a unity that start which starts within the believer and works outward through outward it's like an organic life like we see in our human body our body is not collection of parts it's organic it's connected with one another very much similarly church is a new creation a spiritual body created by god in christ the all has done away in his body there is no longer any distinction of man there is no distinctions when a person put his trust his faith in christ he or she has joined into the union with the christ by the work of the holy spirit through the spirit baptism he or she become the member of the universal church the universal body and through water baptism he or she become the member of the local body the local church which we have discussed last week in our membership class dear members we all have exercised that that is why we are here as a church so remember there is only one god there is only one faith one spirit he rules and reigns we have faith in this lord in this one lord we all are baptized into that lord into this lord Look this is how we are joined together with with this God and with one another oneness with God oneness with his people with the church oneness with God and oneness with people with his people in the church we have oneness there is also oneness in the doctrinal lessons of the faith well what what he is talking about the unity is not the uniformity rather he, there is a possibility that there is all sort of diversity in this unity but paul is talking about the basic fundamental teaching that establishes the church the fundamentals of truth the unit there, there is a unity in the eternal truth those who are listening to me if you have not come in terms of that significant truth i urge you to think and pay close attention to this truth you may be attending some church you may not be you may be 
here is a visitor. You may not know about Jesus Christ much. You may have so much of difference in your understanding. Whatever that may be, please listen to the essential truth that every Christian should believe. Every Christian should believe that there is one God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Every Christian should believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior. The evidence for that is his death and resurrections, which is witnessed by his disciple. He died for you. His death was a penalty for your sin and my sin. And you must be thinking, what should I do with that? Your response must be your repentance and faith in him. Dear ones, return from your sin and follow Christ. This is the truth that you will be held accountable for. This is the truth that you will be really held accountable for. God has united us into this unity. So walk worthy according to that calling. That unity. Preserve it. That's my first point. Our second point is a second responsibility. As Christians, we should serve the church to be mature. Serving one another. Serve the church to mature its fullness. Look at from verse 7 to 16. You may be able to see that in the bulletin. I'm not going to read that all that. Verse 7 to 16. There is a lot of opinion about these verses from 8 to 10. That need not to be true, but let me just paraphrase it for you. What is being said. Verse 7 is quite easy. It is pretty simple. Which says that Jesus has given grace to each Christian according to his measure. We don't deserve it. He has granted it to us free for every Christian. Then he quotes, then he quotes from Psalm 68 verse 18. On the basis of that, he is saying verse 8, 9 and 10. So Paul is wonderstruck by the fact in order to save us, Christ has descended. Christ has ascended. That means Christ has risen. So it is certain that he is descended. That Paul is talking about Jesus' incarnation, that he has come into this world to save each one of us. So what basically Paul establishing is, Jesus Christ is the God and the Messiah, and in him he saved people. Not only that, if you look at verse 11 very closely, very close, you can see that he has saved people much more, much more than that. Those whom he has saved, he has left with special gifts. We see that in verse 11. Verse 11 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. You Look at those categories. These are some of the gifts, mainly teaching gifts, isn't it? Given to the church. Why is it given to as a gift? Verse 12 says, to equip each one of you, you and me, for the work of the ministry. What does it mean by work of the ministry? These gifts are given to each one of us, not to just keep, keep it with us, 
or to or for our own personal glory but for the benefit of the church benefit of one another to kindle one another to serve one another to build up the church for its maturity the essence of what paul says is that god gave gifted people in the church so that they will build people around them and in them they they then will build people around them so brick upon brick how we are building a build how we build a building in the same way lord is building his community equipping generations for the work of the ministry and why do we do that in verse 13 he says that so that so that we all attain to the unity of faith and knowledge of the son of god to be mature in christ to be mature in christ so members of emmanuel church we need to serve one another grow in our knowledge of lord jesus christ to be mature dear ones paul through this verse is highlighting a bigger principle which we may fail to notice he is saying that to be mature in christ your private prayer time your personal time with god may not be fully sufficient or let me put it in another way god's plan for your growth and maturity is not mainly what you do while you are alone your personal reading your devotion your personal prayer that has its own importance but if you look through the scripture you can see christian growth and maturity is a community project it's a family business it's our life together it's like iron sharpens the iron there was a time in my christian my christian journey i used to think my growth and maturity in christ christ will be my me and my personal time with the lord you may have seen monks and sadhus what they do they go to a solitary place and they sit and meditate they and their god but christ has designed our life and mat- our life and maturity in the community it's community we need to be a a compelling community i was thinking we have the compelling community community book it's not there yeah even in this letter paul's paul emphasizes that these gifts are given to them and for us in verse 12 to build up the body of christ how do we do that to serve one another to build the body of christ when we say we love the lord what's its practical implication how is it visible how is it displayed it's visible manifestation when we love people around us when we serve people around us when we love we serve one another your horizontal relationship also will be connected with your vertical relationship with god and his people love the lord with all your heart with all your soul and your all your might and then what love your neighbor so meeting with god in the presence of his people is important 
meeting with God in the presence of His people is important. It's a community business. To be mature in Christ is a community aspect. Rest of our time, I want to reflect how are we in this life, how are you in this life together? How are you building one another? How are we serving one another? For their spiritual growth, for their maturity. That's the plan of God and that's our responsibility. So let's, let us evaluate how we are in our job responsibility. We know that when we work in corporates, at times they may come up with something called KPI, Key Performance Indicators for, the, for our appraisal, isn't it? So they usually give us a list of assessment questions and evaluators based on the standards of grading. So upon recognizing our duties and responsibilities in this world, especially in the church, let us do a Christian appraisal. That will be our third and final point, our appraisal. How is your walk with one another? How is your walk? How is your walk, brothers and sisters? How are we doing in our walk with one another? In the performance assessment standard, what God has given, what the scripture has given to us. What are they? First and foremost, look at verse 1 and 2. Especially in verse 2, it says that, being humility and gentleness, or being humble. Are you completely, completely humble? On a survey scale, from a grade 1 to 10, where do we tick? What grade we will give? Brothers and sisters, even kids, how are you in your humility? Nothing destroys the church other than the pride. Pride is nothing but I, me and myself. Pride makes you think the whole world revolves around you. Your pride don't, lets other, don't let others grow. Your pride destroys most relationships. Your pride tries to rule over others. Pride tries to control others. But in humility, in humility you serve one another. Humility builds up. Humility builds up. Walk humbly with lowliness and meekness. How are we doing in that? Do you put your need before other people? Are you humble? Know that the God opposes the proud and give grace to the humble. God give grace to the humble. I want you to ponder in your heart how are we doing in our humility. Okay, the second point in appraisal, Bible commands us to be gentle. We can see that in the same verse, verse 2. How are you in the area of gentleness? Are you gentle or are you prickly or like a spiky? We know that no one want, go, want to go near a thorny plant. We know that we will be pricked and hurt by that. Are we like the thorny plant or are we gentle? 
look at these two qualities humility and gentleness which is perfectly manifested in one person our jesus christ he is our model look at matthew 11:29 he says that take up my yoke and learn from me because i am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul because he is humble and gentle paul urges to be the same be imitators of christ well the third point of appraisal is again from the same verse was to to be patient i want to be honest do an honest confession i need to grow a lot in that i am a very impatient person i need to learn a lot to be in self control it is true that we we are living in a fallen world and every now and then we could be offended but are you patient and humble enough to bear one another especially with the weak there once we may win an argument but in an argument we may lose the person but a good relationship can overcome differences of opinion the next appraisal is from verse 3 he says eager to maintain the unity maintain the unity of the church which we have discussed about it earlier so i am not going to dwell on that much how are we maintaining the unity of the church which christ has graciously given to us as a free gift are we bonded together with the love and peace or are we a weak link or are we in peace are we in peace with one another in fact you look at the beginning of the passage verse 1 paul urges make every effort every effort whatever it costs you to maintain the unity emmanuel church members let me ask you how are you building others are you remember we saw earlier that our our ministry is to equip others equip one another are you living a self focused life or other focused life we are called to live out an other focused life others focused life are you growing in your relationship with god and with one another are you maturing it's okay to be baby christian at some stage of our life but we have we supposed to grow from there to be more mature and we help one another to grow in that maturity to be christ like that is what verse 13 and 14 reminds us calls us to do spiritual growth is a natural thing if we are born we are designed to grow we are called to grow there could be different stages that's fine that's perfect but we need to grow so in this passage paul urges calls us to grow to to be mature to maintain the unity think if you are not growing and not becoming mature what could be the reason for that what could be the reason for that 
probably you as an organ may not be well connected to the body of Christ you may not be well connected to other bodies in the church look at verse 16 what it says from him the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by proper working of each individual part the proper working of the individual part will happen only when the body is connected well are you connected to the body of Christ as we are supposed to be for your own growth and maturity of others also in the church if one part of the body doesn't function properly it affects all other areas of our life, our body which you all know are you living as a lawn ranger individual christian there is no lawn lawn ranger christianity christian growth and maturity is a community project remember each one of you are important essential for the proper growth of the church for the maturity of one another dear ones connect with one another at times it may be challenging to connect different interests personality upbringing it's challenging so sometimes we try to make easy connections i am an indian it's quite easy for me to connect with all indians so i may find it's comfort for me to connect with indians a teacher could be easily connected with another teacher because they speak in the same language but as an indian it is difficult for me to connect with a pakistani or a filipino or some other nationality because he and she is so different the culture the upbringing so i always look for easy connections we always do that but we need to come out from that comfort zone the gospel invites us to break all worldly barriers the gospel has broken down all the wall dear ones connect with one another and serve the body and as we connect as we connect there is one thing we are supposed to do that's our last assessment from verse 14 and 15 what is that one thing when we connect with the member we are supposed to do speak the truth in love do you speak the truth in love mostly we fall on either side at times truth at times love and we think as we are speaking honestly that's not the genuine way that's not what the scripture demands he asks us to speak the truth truth nothing but truth but with love if you love someone and don't speak the truth that's not love at all take a look at verse 15 speaking the truth in love is god's plan to make us grow and mature why we need to grow so that verse 14 says so that we will not be no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching by human cunning and cleverness in the techniques of deceit if you are always an infant spiritually infant you will be tossed by every wind and wave by human craftiness deceiving scheming cunningness 
The Lord don't want us to be in that situation, in that infant stage. The only way to overcome such false things is to speak the truth in love. That's what we see in verse 15 also. Because he is truth, he wants his children to speak the truth in love. And as we speak, we will grow up in every way to into him who is the head. Dear one, if you really want to grow, there is only one medicine, there is only one silver bullet. What Christ has recommended us to do is to speak the word in truth. Speak the word, it is the, speak the truth in law. By his word he created what we see around us. His word is given to us to speak. The word builds the church. Talk to each other. Talk to each other spiritual things than the worldly things. Meet up with a fellow brother and sister. Discuss about the word. Discuss about some books what you are reading. Build them up. Be honest with your spiritual struggles. How could I overcome my pride and my impatience, my selfishness and my stubbornness if someone doesn't graciously point that to me? We all need loving corrections from one another. We are called to have meaningful relationship with one another. Christian life is an intentional life. It's not casual life, it's an intentional life. If you are not able to speak this truth in love, we are not living in a manner worthy of our calling. Emmanuel Church, how are we in this walk? As I mentioned at the beginning, if God appears today and asks each one of us, where do we stand in this mission? In our walk? How are we helping others to grow in maturity? How are we preserving the unity of the church? Will your master be impressed with our walk? Will you hear the calling good and will we hear the calling good and faithful servant? Will we hear that? I want you all to think how is your walk with one another? It's it's not just we come on a Friday, it's not a weekly meeting. This is our body, this is our family. We need to be there for one another. Build one another. Because he is the king. He has saved us for a purpose. I would love to end there. What I want to urge you, like Paul urged, therefore, brothers and sisters, as a fellow member, as a fellow brother, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling that you have received. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Build this community. Let the gospel thrive in this city. May God bless you with this word.